Mana 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 This is social disgusting. You said that your mom said you're a writer at four, but you contend twelve. Yeah. So what did you write? Oh, so my mom still has. She wrote it down on a napkin one day when we were driving in the car. So the legend of Molly goes. <laughs> we were driving in the car, and I was sitting in the back seat in my little car seat. And I looked out the window and I said, butterfly flutter by, (laughs) where are you going? And she wrote it down. She decided it was a poem and I was a genius. She wrote it on a napkin and she kept it and she tells the story all the time. But ever since then, she has kept literally everything I've ever written. I have every assignment, every journal, everything I've had since age of six that's and, so cool. Yeah, and it's I can't make myself throw it away just like she couldn't, even though I make fun of her for collecting it. Yeah. But yeah, no. So I would say 12 because that's about when I started writing like ridiculous garbage fan fiction, which I was also obsessed with. What fan fiction? Oh, my God. So, oh, no. Uh, so <laughs> my main... my main thing was Buffy, Buffy the Vampire okay. Slayer. And my main ship was... Buffy and Spike, so Spuffy, and I wrote and edited and ran several forums for some fan fiction. Oh, really? That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Back in high school and up through college, uh, and then, you know, I had other shit to do, and I kind of lost it, uh, but, and plus the fandom started getting replaced by, like, Glee and Harry Potter and all the things that are, like, on top now, but, oh, man, I loved it. I was so into it. <laughs> yes. That's really cool, actually. <laughs> I just like the idea, by the way, that all those people on the the forum, they're still there, and they're like, is she coming back? Or <laughs> <laughs> I checked the other day. I checked yeah. the Bloodshed verse, and it's like, it's still there. But the last post they made, like, they make a post, like, every two years. It's like, we're still open, but stop requesting membership. We're not letting people <laughs> post anymore. Just read the stuff if you want it. <laughs> it's like... Yeah, uh, that's real. We're all old now. It was like too much, <laughs> too much shit to keep track of. And I was more yeah. an editor than I was anything else. But oh my god, yeah, yeah, that's big nerd energy. That's like I went to Comic Con dressed up and shit, kind of big nerd energy. So you went from doing that and just kind of doing it just on your own. It was a hobby and mm-hmm. writing a lot. To then you majored in it. Yeah, I did. So uh, I was thinking about being a psychologist because obviously we're both obsessed with the motives of people and. Yes. And I was like, I could do that. But all through high school, all through college, it was like, you know, your gifting is in writing. My teachers were super into it. I enjoyed doing it. Yeah. So I decided to go into creative writing. I don't know. I feel like it's a natural extension of psychology to be obsessed with reading personally, especially fiction, because it's what is it? Nothing but character studies. (laughs) Yeah. I can literally be inside their head and understand anything I want to. Ted Bundy, he had some points. <laughs> he had some points, though. <laughs> <laughs> One, two, and three. But I was, yeah, so I got my degree in creative writing, and then I graduated and went into marketing, because what else are you going to do except write hashtags? Naturally. Yeah, and then I burned out on that super hard, and now I am a writer, a content writer. So, but like the bad kind, like the evil kind, like for the internet. <laughs> well, but you're solvent. I am. I'm solvent, though. Like, that happened last That's really month. Cool. I cannot yeah. even tell you. I cried, and then I drank so much champagne by myself in my house. But I'm completely able to pay my fucking bills doing something that I don't hate doing. I tell everybody. I feel like a sustainable farmer. Like, I raised this shit 
and then I picked this shit, and now I am making food out of it, and it is mine, and I am only making money for me and for no one else. It's a closed system. Oh, it's so sexy. It's so nice to think about, you know, and um, it's literally and figuratively paying off. Mm-hmm. All this tangible hard work and just to put it in a, the only word I can think of and it's annoying, you mm. were just grinding it out, you know? Yeah. yeah, I mean, like, I like to think of it as a, because it took exactly nine months for me to be able to pay all of my bills and still be able to, like, you know, not eat dog food when I retire. Yeah, fair. <laughs> Woo! Um, <laughs> it took exactly nine months, so I feel like I just stated, for lack yeah. of a less disgusting word, but I just stated this <laughs> business and I had a little business baby, and now it's sitting there cooing and disgusting and adorable, and I'm shoving applesauce in his face, and I'm like, take it, baby, this is my job. <laughs> <laughs> All while Law & Order SVU plays in the background. Dunk, dunk. Dunk, dunk. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that, because uh, I remember when, I think, it, when did we meet up at that? At oh, the my God. Was it like- October, maybe? Was it? it? Okay. Yeah, it was It was right after I lost my job. Uh, okay. So it had to be like end of September or maybe October. Okay. Well, because you were talking about that too, about just wanting to sustainably work for yourself. Yeah, it's the dream because even when I was starving, and I was for a few months, I was eating a yeah. lot of ramen. I saw these jobs, these postings that I was like, oh man, I qualify for that. Oh man, that's 80K a year. Oh man, I could, I could at least apply and see what happens. And I couldn't make myself do it. There was this dark, gut-wrenching sickness. It wasn't even anxiety because it was, like, deader than that. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, I wasn't anxious. I wasn't nervous. It was just this sick dread at the idea of applying for a job in which I would have a boss and a cubicle and a number and there'd be taxes taken out of my paycheck and I'd have to give them my W-4 and my... K9 and whatever, (laughs) but I just, I couldn't do it. I couldn't make myself do it. I had burned myself out so hard and so bright. And now I'm really grateful for that. Now I'm glad that that drove me to find something different, but it was, it's a weird place to exist in. But I know exactly what you mean as somebody who was, I fucking had a breakdown, like an actual, like a full on breakdown. And I feel like that once I'm just speaking for myself, but once you get like, like psychologically broken by that thing. Mm. And it's almost like you just see that matrix code of like, it's freedom. man, fuck all that. Yeah, it's freedom. That's what- uh, All that's, these arbitrary constructs. Like, yeah. But truly though, of like, oh, within this giant brick square, you have this power that exists because we all buy into it, because we all yeah. agree upon it. And but like, fuck me, like the Stanford prison experiment, whoa, does that shit get to your head? <laughs> you know? <laughs> and it's like, what are we doing? Like, Who you don't mean guards? shit. Oh, God. But it's true because it's, there's, oh my God, it's all that corny bullshit about once you hit rock bottom, there's nowhere to go but up and all those things that they tell you, like when you go through a breakup or when you're struggling with something, it's all fucking cliche and true for a reason. It's you hit, you hit this sense of euphoria almost. There's this numbness that comes after pain. And it's like when you've had the flu and you finally stop throwing up. And you don't feel good, but oh my God, not... The relief. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Not being nauseous anymore is the most blissful feeling in the world. It's exactly like that. It's, oh my God, I feel dead inside and I feel like a failure, but also I'm still alive. 
And there's literally like, it can't hurt me anymore. There's a very specific freedom to failing so hard. And I failed hard. I like, I lost my job. I lost my relationship. I almost lost my house. It was a dark place. But then honestly, I think it prepared me for this better than anything else could because that happened in September, November. And I was finally pulling my shit together around January, February. And then all of a sudden it was like quarantined. And I was like, well, fuck. (laughs) (laughs) I know, again, I know exactly what you mean of like, um, again, I'm I'm not, you know, enough removed, but it's all, you know, for for mine, it's not like anything you're going to forget. Yeah. But it also isn't that long ago to where I'm like, I do think it prepared me for something like this as much as one can. And um Kind of like it definitely gave me my life like more active context and uh, yeah. kind of just understanding how bad it can be oh, yeah. and having that mental infrastructure in place to prevent myself from getting there and knowing those warning signs of, of what it is because like once you're in it as much now in hindsight, it's like, oh, I could have just taken myself out of this. Mm-hmm. But it was almost like the Stockholm syndrome of like, no, this is what you do. This is what I do. And I have to do this. And it was utterly absurd what I was doing and how bad it got. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have to do that. But in my head, there was no choice. Yeah. And it got really, really, really bad, like physical tics and Mm -hmm. all these things. And it just manifested itself in this awful way. But now I'm just like, you know, I can't have where I am now without any of that too. Yeah, exactly. Oh, dude, and that's the terrible thing about growing up is looking back on your life and thinking, if you would just take what I know now and drop that into, like, 19-year-old me's body, I could rock this shit. But also, nah, you can't because <laughs> literally every horrible fuck-up that you had, as cliche and terrible as it is, it formed you, and here you are, and you learned from it. And it's, I think as a society and as people, we're so afraid to fail And Mm -hmm. we avoid it so much at all costs. But being 30 years old this year, my greatest comfort is in the monstrous failures that I have brought upon myself and and experienced in general. I am not just grateful for them, but I exist in a state of borderline well-being during all this because it's like, ah, like the worst it can do is kill you, right? Same way. And you can't stop that. So you have to keep living your life and being kind to other people so that you can make this as great an experience as possible for everybody. And that's the point. Like, that's the whole point. I could not agree more because I I think about that, too, of like day to day, like regular things. I don't get nervous about any of it because it's like it's not a fucking pandemic. (laughs) Like, you know, like it's not... This thing that can get me in any second. So it's like, well. It's like, bitch, I'll get on Tinder all day. All day. <laughs> Reject me. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, You're not I mean, a ventilator. You can't scare me. Shit. It's just like that, you know, that John Cusack movie, you know, Must Love Butt Stuff. <gasps> and that's what it makes me think. And, uh, but it's like, how can I get scared of anything when there is this fucking monster everywhere? Like, mm-hmm. who gives a shit about anything else yeah so i can't get nervous about any of it i've heard a lot of people like comedians and friends and just just people i feel like i hear a lot like depression is not a gift and it is terrible but there is a certain kind of freedom in numbness where you can say like nothing can fucking hurt me so i get to say and do what i want to say and do the same with grief the same with shock the same with you know all of the negative human emotions that we process but i feel like that's happening kind of worldwide right now none of us would know what to do none of us <laughs> none of us like can 
can fight it. There's nothing you can fight or or go up against, really. You can wear the mask, but you're not really fighting it. You're just kind of, you know, sitting in your house is the most patriotic and best thing that you can do for your fellow yeah. man. That's a weird-ass place to be in, man. But it's also, in some ways, in little, little ways. Because, again, this is a silver lining. I would never call this, like, ah, blessing. But being able to – I planted a fucking garden, Brandon. Like, I have a garden. <laughs> I'm not a gardening person, (laughs) but I did it, and I am so proud of those little fuckers. I'm like, look at those tomatoes grow. Look at them. (laughs) I get so pumped about it. I stare out my window, and sometimes I just stare at them for 10 minutes, and I'm like, what are you doing? Me? Because you talk to yourself a lot now. And then you say, (laughs) me? I'm watching my plants grow, motherfucker. Look at them. They're so adorable. They're like my children now. I love it. See, but I love that, and I think... I never would have done that. But I do think <laughs> if I wasn't that that afraid is... that they would run out of food. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, that is part of though. I think that it is gonna. A part of all this is coming out. I think is that as we're all kind of in a way like having all of our day to day stuff taken away on some level, mm. you're gonna really continue to to understand the things that really mean something to you and oh, yeah. what are truly meaningful and kind of prioritizing that. And I do think that as this kind of mental vice grip keeps getting turned and cranked up a little bit mm-hmm. that you're gonna I feel like I've gotten a better idea or a full understanding, a better understanding of like myself. Yeah. Because it's like, whoa, the shitty people are gonna come out too. Mm-hmm. And but also the good people like in these extraordinary times, yeah. regardless of what that is, uh, life events or otherwise, you're going to really get an understanding of who people are. Oh, yeah. And I feel like that, um, you know, and again, I just I talked about earlier how there have been tough days and there have been OK days and bad days. And, and the last couple of days were pretty bad. But yeah. but then there's the relief of like being on the other side of it. Oh, yeah. You know, and it's like, oh, OK, this isn't what this is all the time. Yeah. That is weirdly hopeful. I mean, it's all. It's all a, a, a fucking mind fuck. <laughs> and we're all in some form of shock. Oh, yeah. Because it's unfathomable. Yeah, because but... we all feel, I think we're made to feel, I feel ridiculous for missing stupid small things. I feel ridiculous for missing being able to try on shoes before I buy them. And I miss like watching other people when I go to a brewery. And I miss uh, not thinking that much about whether or not I washed my hands, <laughs> like, after I came back from the grocery store. There's lots of little things that you don't yeah. really see take for granted, but all of those pile up into a huge amount of loss, and we're not allowing ourselves to grieve. We're mostly, like, we're doing a very British buck up take it on the chin find the bright side do art do your Mm -hmm. songs like work out lose weight like do good quarantine things i think there's a lot of that on social media i had to stop i can't scroll through instagram because i see all the things that people are baking and and doing to their houses so many renovation projects i'm at that age and it's just it's mind-blowing to me how do they have the emotional energy to do some of the things that they are doing? Especially the ones with kids. Like, what well, the fuck? Are... Like, go take a nap. Go cry in the shower. Like, go drink three bottles of wine on a Tuesday like I did. God. I will say that, you know, these are people that are desperately trying to distract themselves oh, that's from very dealing true. with things they don't want to deal with. Exactly. They're the see, hero of their own story. You're so right. You're so right. And, and... and I think, um, you know, and that's, 
part of why some people are like you know having a tough time with it and I'm, I'm certainly not saying i'm not one of them or judging anybody that is but i do think that some people are like workaholics because they're doing everything they can to not have to think about things they don't want to think about oh yeah and there are people that are having to face a lot of shit hard truths that they've been avoiding for a long time oh my god the introspection I am not by nature an introspective person. I love to talk about other people's feelings. I'll talk to you about your feelings forever. Um, And I will intellectually dissect my own feelings. But having to actually live with myself and listen to my own thoughts. Yeah, same. Oh, I fucking hate it. I hate it so much. Yeah. Ah, And it's like, I tried to explain this to my sister when she asked me because she's a very like hyper analytical person and she's very good at processing her own stuff. Mm. Um. I was like, how do you do it? She's like, I don't know, man. I'm an introvert. I'm like, what? I don't know. Uh, how do you not do it? I was like, ah, fuck. I have to watch so much TV to fall asleep at night because otherwise mm-hmm. I just lay there and all of a sudden, and this has never happened to me before. I know it's a thing that people go through, but I stare at the ceiling and I just go, remember that stupid thing you did in college? Remember when you were so embarrassed and you said that terrible thing to somebody? And then I just go on this like highlights reel of terrible things that I have said and done. And I'm like, fuck, oh, no. why is this popping up? I think it's because I never fucking dealt with it, man. That's tough, obviously. I uh, I don't, it's interesting. I think about, I don't. You never say anything embarrassing, so it's fine. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I definitely don't edit this podcast. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's, you know, for me, I um, I don't regret the past a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, as much as I probably should, because I have plenty of regrets. But. I guess I'm just kind of um, maybe not. I'm gonna say justified. I don't know. I'm not justified, but like process it through the prism of like it's all under the umbrella of if I'm happy where I'm at now, I can't regret what it took to get there that much. Mm. Uh, and and which almost sounds like sociopathic, but mm-hmm. I you know I've I fucked up so many times, but I I feel like maybe I've made um, instead of beating myself up about it, kind of made my peace with it a little bit. Yeah, I think that's all you can do, right, as a human at some point is to say, not just this is who I am, uh, and that's okay, but accept that everybody feels this way. Yeah. Everybody. Everybody's done some shit, and as long as you understand why and you're working towards being a better person, all you can do is let it go. Because what good are you doing yourself or anybody else by punishing yourself like basically just self-flagellating like you're in that yeah. angels and demons movie <laughs> you know what, you know what i'm talking about oh uh, uh, yeah we're all we're all the albino paul bettany thank you oh god <laughs> then i just think you know the albino paul bettany he had some good points <laughs> he had some really good points um they were embedded in his flesh but oh you know. That's gonna be the new name of the podcast. Embedded in the flesh. Albino and then, oh no, <laughs> <laughs> that'll be the awkward spinoff title. But no, it's Albino Paul Bettany. Dot dot dot. He had some points. <laughs> he had some points. I think it should just be dot dot dot. He had some points. Dot dot dot. He had some points. And then every episode's about a different guy with some points. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. And it'll be um, Lennon. He exact- had some points. <laughs> but I, I like that you went from like. You're like, not Hitler, not Stalin, Lenin. Okay, I, I couldn't Lenin. make myself say Hitler, honestly. No, yeah. Because he had no points. No. No. Didn't go Pol Pot. That's good. <laughs> At least Lenin yeah, liked that. the Beatles. That's all I know. <laughs> Ringo Starr, he had some points. Right? Was, yep. he, was, he, was he shitty or is he just a dude? 
Well, I mean, it's a... Is he canceled yet? Not yet, no. I do think that the funny thing, part of, like, for a certain level, like, amount of comedians, his legacy is the fact that he released a video years ago Mm -hmm. saying that he was no longer going to sign his autograph anytime somebody sent mail in. And he was, and he signed off by saying, peace and love, peace and love. <laughs> and people mock that. And and rightfully so. Yeah. It's well earned. It's just funny, though, that, like, a guy who is super talented is shit on, at least relative to the other members of the band, because he just wasn't this undeniable genius that the other three were. Yeah. Oh, dude, see, I had that conversation about food the other day. I'm sorry, it's a terrible comparison. But it's like... You get three dishes, right? And you're like, oh, my God, it's so good. It's so delicious. And there's one of them that's your least favorite. And it's not bad. If you ate it by itself, you'd be fucking pumped. Yeah. But it's not as good as the other ones. So it has to be the worst by default. Ringo is the worst taco by default. (laughs) Oh, that poor little taco. Oh, lonely taco. That taco, you know, has pretty good rhythm, all things like considered. He's like pickled but... fried chicken tacos. It's like, it's good, but it's not fucking barbacoa with plantains in it. <laughs> oh, that sounds really good. Oh my god, it's so good. Yeah, I can't imagine the sweet nothings you whisper to it as you make it. Mmm, get in there, banana. Get in there. <laughs> <laughs> there see, but the funny thing is that all of your, uh, your talk, you're like a cheerleader of food that you're about to consume. You're very encouraging. Oh my god, I try so hard because it's garlic is really moody. <laughs> it burn <laughs> it burns so easy, so hard and so bright. You gotta come on, baby. You gotta coax it. You gotta come on, come on. It's talk. so good though. You can do it. <laughs> and then you gotta take it off the heat. <laughs> <laughs> that was a very good reenactment of your your many uh, garlic travails. Oh my god, spell travails. Um, T-R-E-V-A-I-L-S I love it when those. you do that, it's perfect You should always do exactly <laughs> what I tell you to do It makes me very happy <laughs> Oh, good to know <laughs> Oh my god What is your biggest pet peeve On podcasting so far? Mm. Oh, for just do, uh, doing it? Yeah as a, as a celebrated podcaster That's right, you're so fucking famous now Oh yeah Incredibly famous. I am. But One day simple... I'm gonna say I used to know that guy. I used to work with him. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a perfect impression of you. I used to work with him. I talk like that usually. I'm putting on a really NPR frosty front for this oh, yeah. specific podcast. I wanted to put my best voice forward, as it were. Which is funny because you're apparently based on your impression of yourself you almost kind of sound like garrison keeler a little bit <laughs> so i'm a 90s yeah. kid <laughs> i'm from a perry home companion <laughs> oh my god <laughs> i loved that show <laughs> oh but he got canceled oh. being a creep oh he's canceled he's canceled yeah he was a creep <gasps> no i supposedly i don't remember the Details on that. Why does my childhood keep getting ruined by creeps? Ugh, men are trash. Creepy white men. The uh, uh, pet peeve. Yeah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I got nothing. Okay. I love it all. Yeah, you can just cut this whole section out. It's garbage. Editing fucking sucks, which is funny because I might edit that statement out. You're going to have to. <laughs> Not really. Mm-hmm. I'll just do a two-parter on this one. Back, back, back. <laughs> <laughs> glug, glug, or whatever it is. <laughs> dunk, dunk. <laughs> dunk, dunk. Okay. 
You keep saying glug glug. What a delightful sound that is. Glug glug. <laughs> glug is a fun word, and I think it's important to recognize that some words are better than other words. Cusp is actually an excellent word. You said it so many times earlier, and I was like, I'm into that. <laughs> oh, so you're not on the cusp of loving cusp. You're full-on loving cusp. I am a full-on cusp lover. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a Weird Al song. Cusp, cusp lover. Oh my god, it definitely is. So, do you have anything you want to point people toward before we wrap it up? Point them towards, like, a plug for myself? Whatever, yeah. Mm. Could be anything. <sighs> I would suggest taking long hot showers and listening to Hozier on repeat. Uh, I find the work song to be particularly comforting in these times of crisis. And that's Hozier. all. That's all. <laughs> right. I'm probably Hoosier. Hoosier. I think it's Hoosier. Yeah. Yeah. Hoosier. Yeah. That's it. That's my, that's my sad sack jam. That and Sufjan Stevens, the, the album that he did when his mom died. <gasps> Rip your fucking heart out. But sometimes you got to cry. And when you got to cry, you got to listen to sad music and sit alone in the shower and make that weird, ugly face so that the tears start. Just, yeah. Well, I mean, I texted you. That's exactly what I did. That's my good, good advice. By the mildewy shower. <laughs> I insist that you delete the last 20 minutes of this podcast. Uh, God, I don't want to do all that work. I'm an hour ahead of you and I got so tired. That's fair. I'm shutting down too. So I'll say for me, please wear a mask. Oh, that always. is it. Wear a fucking mask. Please. For the long buddies in your life. Yeah. And stay safe. And uh, it's okay to not be okay. Mm. And thank you for listening. And thank you for being on. Oh, thanks for having me. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I it. loved it. So thank you all and goodbye. <laughs>